to the Waiver Fire podcast. Nick and JP, we are back April 25th. We've got the NFL draft right coming up this weekend. Sorry, uh, we missed a week. I was really sick and nasty last week. It sucked pretty bad, but feeling so good right now. JP, how's it going, man? It's going good. I'm glad you're feeling better. The But the draft is very exciting, and oh, we'll have so much to talk about after that. A lot of uh, wide receiver needs and good wide receivers available. You know, I guess when we started fantasy football drafts, the word was that rookie wide receivers can't make an impact. Well, those times are well behind us. Rookie wide receivers can definitely do some damage. And uh, yeah, should be should be pretty damn exciting. A lot of destinations are open. We do have a movie to talk about. We have another Scorsese movie. We are we are actually getting kind of towards the end of the list. We're going to start getting into his 2000s work, which as we talked about, you and I have seen almost all of those already. Uh, maybe some of them will, are worth a rewatch, but uh, we checked out one of his last 90s movies, Quinn Duin, about the Dalai Lama's escape from China. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But quite honestly, I don't have much to say about that movie. And so we will spend some time, as our addiction requires us to, to hop into one last draft, JP, before the fan, before the NFL draft itself. And it, it's pretty fun to do it because you know we're going to be doing a lot of best ball and things like that. Get, once we get a little closer, once we know where all the players are going, um, I think I may have done like one best ball already, but it was just like a $5 one or something like that. And, you know, don't want to do too many of those. I want the playing field to be, uh, you know, even for everyone. It's not as if anyone has some sort of advantage. It's just that I like to do less guessing and, um, more educated guesses. And honestly, I don't know the names of all of these wide receivers that we're excited about. So same here. It's going to be something that, you know, hopefully by the eighth time that I've heard a wide receiver's name, it's it's now in my head. But yes, I am definitely they're fresh leaves to me. But I wouldn't be surprised if either next week or the week after we do a post. NFL draft best ball just because you know now we know where everybody is and and I agree with you and I I prefer to draft honestly the day before the season starts just so everybody has the same knowledge it just you know when somebody gets injured or a team drafts a new player a new hotness the feeling if they're on your team and it fucks you it hurts so much worse than if it fucks somebody else and you like mildly feel like oh yay somebody got screwed you know so that, that's kind of why i don't like to press my my luck too much but again being addicts we have to draft but thankfully espn has the you know means nothing nfl draft or, or fantasy draft uh simulator open and i will be uh drafting first this time i i want to say last time maybe i drafted 12th 
and we're doing a 12 team again. This is non PPR, which I don't know if it really ever affects things to, or maybe it is. I can't tell actually. No, this is non PPR. So standard draft it has been many years since I've been a part of a standard league, but whatever, we'll just draft kind of whoever we want to draft. It doesn't matter really the format. And where are you coming in, in the draft order? Um, where am I? I'm like fifth or something. Fifth, okay. Yeah. So fifth is definitely going to be in that area of, you know, apparent stud running backs, but with some question marks. So I'm excited to see where you go there. We are entering the draft, but I don't think it will start up for a little while to come. Um, you know, we've still got a couple minutes. So you know, I was talking pre-pod, any NFL news, really the only news of note that you brought up was the Debo Samuel request for trade, which has not happened yet. Um, something, you know, it's always weird around the NFL draft, whether a team wants to ship them before, wants to ship them after, after where is max value to get something. But um the fantasy footballers seem to think that he would get traded, that that he doesn't want to play for them, and there's good value for a wide receiver on the market. So if he does get traded, I mean, I was already a little nervous about the whole Kittle, you know, new quarterback issues there. They like to run the ball. So I know it opens up Ayuk as the number one, but would you be excited by Ayuk if he was kind of there by himself? Like, would Ayuk be a fourth, fifth round draft pick for you in that situation? Uh, uh, fourth, fifth. You're saying no? No, yeah. I mean, that's what I did last year. Not not fourth or fifth round for Ayuk. Yeah. It does seem steep. I mean, I, I like, you know, I was playing him a lot in DFS last year. He was actually doing pretty well. He had some pretty explosive games. Just so scared a season long with his injuries. And, and honestly, that team is just a bit frightening. It, it could be pretty huge. You know, this, it wouldn't be unbelievably shocking if this was kind of a Justin Herbert chargers kind of out of nowhere, pretty solid offense particularly in that division where you're going to have to keep up against some stiff competition. I mean, Seahawks aren't fantastic this year, probably, but um, could be a tough year for sure. So San Francisco, they're a very, very well-run organization, it seems like, and he could pull some magic, but yeah, I agree. And then if Debo does go somewhere, I mean, he had so many rushing touchdowns last year that kind of blew up his numbers I just don't think he's going to be able to secure that kind of Cordero Patterson dual threat kind of wide receiver. That's, that's just so rare that that kind of gadgety player works out. So, I mean, I feel like he's, he's unfortunately got to be pushed back into the wide receiver two kind of range or wherever he lands, which yeah. sucks because he was so exciting. All right. Well, we'll see where he ends up. We are starting the draft and, and Jonathan, you Taylor, are on the clock. I am on the clock. Jonathan Taylor is sitting there. This is standard. And I mean, it was wild last time when we were, when I was in the back half of the draft, able to get players like, um, you know, Dalvin cook and, 
and Joe Mixon, who I think is going to be very good. Alvin Kamara is in the back half of the first round. And, and you've got players that are, are kind of young hotness and Eckler and Javante Williams, just kind of wild. I mean, CMC is there, but their quarterback situation, Jonathan Taylor does seem like, you know, no injuries so far, great offensive line. Hopefully Matt Ryan can be somewhat competent. It makes a lot of sense why JT is the, is the one-on-one this year, for sure. People getting fatigued about CMC, you know, yeah, could be interesting. I, I'm excited to see. So we've got Javante Williams, the 102, obviously um, we talked about this last time. Is it, is Melvin Gordon, is it, is he a free agent? Did they release him? I can't, he is. Okay. He is released. Okay. So it is, it is him with, uh, with Russell Wilson. So that really is exciting. He's explosive. Another good offensive line. So Javante Williams, especially in standard makes quite a lot of sense. Eckler goes three. I want to say in the last round, last one, you, you had Cooper Cup, maybe I cannot remember, but talk me through, you're on the clock now at the 105. Talk me through what you're thinking. 105. Let's go with Justin Jefferson. Okay. For some reason, I thought you were going to go Derrick Henry there. So you go, you go Justin Jefferson. I like that. So many yards. Yeah, I probably should have gone Derek Henry, but let's do this. It's staple. Somewhat of a Viking fan here, so excited to see Justin Jefferson at the 105. Definitely, uh, you know, one or two more years of Kirk Cousins, hopefully. There goes see Dalvin Cook and Kamara in the back of the first. It's just, it just seems really, really juicy. I have to wait for a long, long time. CMC still on the board in the second round. A lot of fears of CMC in his injury history. He finally goes. Devontae Adams in the second round. He should have a lot of receptions still, even with a car. All right, so you're back on the clock. You missed running back in the first. You've got a couple running back options here. We're going with Diggs. I like Spondings a lot this year, particularly in standard. But you are kind of punting. You're going to do a little zero RB here. Oh, man. You know, a player that was talked about in the fantasy footballers a lot, in the, I think I think came in at their wide receiver 12, which I was shocked, T. Higgins of Cincinnati. I know he was masterful, but, man, to have two wide receivers in Cincinnati, top 12. Pretty intense. Well, one of these picks is definitely going to be Travis Kelsey. The other pick, I think, man, running back just goes away so quickly. And David Montgomery is pretty good, but I'm going to pick my love child, A.J. Brown. I'm going to give him one more year. You know I can't resist A.J. Brown. Ah, Nick Chubb is there. He's exciting, too. Mm, mm, mm. Man, I think Nick Chubb's going to be so good this year. But I will take uh, Travis Kelsey. I just don't I just don't really get the hate on Travis Kelsey this year. It's a little wild to me. All right, well, I've got to kind of get a running back here. So I'll take Chubbers. 
have been happy with him. Jonathan Taylor, Chubb, and Kelsey would have been cool. I feel like with some of these picks early on, you know, obviously being an older person myself, at, at the old age of 31, I do lean towards these older fantasy names, but I always feel like they'll have that one last year of greatness, you know? DeAndre Hopkins in the back end of the third, close to Deontay Johnson. That's pretty exciting. DJ Moore, okay. I don't think DJ Moore really is a third rounder anymore, but I guess we'll see what they do at the draft. But mm, DJ Moore seems kind of scary. It does, it does get scary quick, though. I mean, I like Keenan Allen a lot, but in standard, it's not as exciting. Wow, Hollywood Brown is bumped all the way up here in the, in the fourth round in standard. That's pretty intense. Oh, Mike Williams could be really exciting, too. But you can see the running backs have just completely dropped off the board. I mean, you got Miles Sanders sitting back here. Um, Zeke going in the middle of the fourth round feels, again, pretty nasty. But, yeah, the running backs, you know, going with Chubb probably would have been good. Damian Harris is probably pretty nice here. Uh, not here, but, I mean, towards, you know, the mid part of the drafts. Yeah. You've got uh, you've got Cordell Patterson. I think he's going to be pretty pretty fine. Um, and then I'm gonna just, go. I'm gonna go with Pitts here. Okay, I like that. I like. He seems like he's okay. You know, okay. bummer that Zeke went right before you. I have to imagine you would have gone Zeke over Pitts, probably. Maybe not. Yeah, probably. Probably so. I did like Mike Williams there. That's kind of a bummer to see gone. Chris Godwin's injury is so up in the air right now. Tough to know what to do with that. Um, but I guess this spot is kind of made for wide receiver. I mean, I don't really want to reach for Cordero Patterson. You know, we haven't said Amari Cooper's name quite a lot it's a standard i still think he's got some juice and i think deshaun watson is going to be pretty nasty so getting a little piece of amari cooper back into the fourth not my favorite spot to get him but he's okay and at this point i could go early quarterback but i've just kind of told myself i'm never doing that there's so many quarterbacks and these running backs are just not going to get back to me Seems like you kind of have to reach at the at the turn here. Just don't like these Amon Ross, St. Brown, Gabe Davis, Brandon Cooks, maybe. But um, I'm going to go with Cordero Patterson. I, I really do like him. I know it's standard league here, but I think he's going to be force-fed the ball, and I think he's still got goal line. So as atrocious as that team's probably going to be, he's going to be Mr. Necessary again. I think, I'm gonna find, I think I'm gonna be finding myself drafting Cordero Patterson more than a lot of people. I think he's gonna be on a lot of my teams. Could be scary. Could be. Um, Hopefully, uh, I think there's no, oh, you're on the clock, I'm sorry. Yeah, 
I'm gonna take Josh Allen here. You get the big stack. Yeah, I don't have to think about quarterback week to week. I'm just gonna play him. I could go for the Deshaun Watson stack. Hey, quick, quick question. Yeah. As far as like a, a batter getting out in baseball, what happens when they like hit it, hit a foul? Is, is that an is that a strike or? It's a strike unless it would strike them out, and then they're allowed to keep keep batting. It doesn't count if they would strike them out. So, first two strikes it counts. If you hit a foul, you get a strike. Right. You watching some baseball? Yeah, um, we do the prize picks that app right. or whatever yep. that I was telling you about. Um. Yeah, baseball, baseball. Let's see who's on the clock here. What do we got here? Running back. Oh, here we go. Damian Harris. Wide. It seems like they don't really love him there, but. He could still win that job. Michael Thomas is pretty interesting, actually. Coming back with uh, Jamius Juju, I guess, is the apparent one in, in KC. That's kind of weird to say. Hmm. It's a tough pick here. It's a tough pick. Um. Yeah, I guess I'm going to go Michael Thomas and... And probably Clyde. He's a running back three, so it doesn't work out. It is what it is. But pretty big upside there, Patrick Mahomes. They're going to be kind of figuring things out. They do have Travis Kelsey, so that's kind of a bummer of an overlap. But, um, yeah, over players like Hunter Renfro, he, he seems like he's going to be really sidelined for Devontae Adams. And seems like if you're not going quarterback here, you're kind of – Kareem Hunt I do like, but, again, it's standard – doesn't really get too many yards. So, yeah, we'll take a bit of a seventh round lottery ticket on Clyde. See if he, there's anything left there. So I'll take, I'll take Kareem Hunt. Yeah, that's nice. Did you pick Chubb as well? I can't remember. Yeah. So you've got the, you got the double. So insurance on both sides, if there happens to be any injury, I think that team's, again, I think you and I are, are kind of going in on the whole Deshaun Watson Browns rebound here still some uh i'm trying to look you know both of us went early tight end and looking at tight ends kind of left you know you got players like irv smith um albert o in denver could be kind of fun as a late rounder um david and joku with the aforementioned deshaun watson so you've got options. You don't have to go, but it just seems like Kelsey is a, is a little too early. And I don't I don't mind your Kyle Pitts at all. He's going to get so heavily targeted as well. Kyler Murray in the early eighth, that feels, again, I, I'm not really going in on quarterback, but Kyler in the eighth feels like kind of what you want to do. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's, you're not really going, you're, you're not really uh, going in on anything there in, in round eight. I just started to get, thankfully, this mock does have quite a few autos, and we're not yet to the point where they're doing kickers and defense in the ninth round, thankfully. So 
we're able to kind of play at a smooth pace here and you're on the clock. I'm on the clock. You've got all your positions filled, so you can really go anywhere you want here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna go with Adam Thielen. Okay. At the oh, oh yeah, you do have a uh, Justin Jefferson. Okay. You may be yeah. uh going in on the Vikings there. I like that. They there, there's a lot of – I don't think he's done catching touchdowns, even if he's doing it in slow motion. Yeah, I agree with you. We're getting kind of the to the dregs of the running back position. You could take your shot on that Miami backfield, either Edmonds or Mostert. It's tough to really say here where it's going to shape out. Mm, I hate to do it, but it's probably taking two wide receivers – Guess Rondale Moore really does have a chance to kind of emerge. I do like Allen Robinson, man. I keep finding myself drafting Allen Robinson. I hope it works out. But Matthew Stafford just looked so electric last year. Um, and who do I go with here? Golly, it's, it's a bunch of – it's like Rondale Moore. It's that Russell Gage. There's Brandon Ayuk there. Brandon Ayuk, I mean – Ninth round, I, I know that um, uh, Debo has not been traded yet. Ninth round, Brandon Ayuk, if he's there kind of by himself. That's pretty enticing. Ayuk. All right, Ayuk. We'll do it in the ninth round. I wish I had more running backs as always, but uh, yeah, that seems pretty good in the ninth. What's wrong with Michael Gallup? He's still coming off that injury. I think – I think he's, I mean, it's early, but I think they're saying that he's expected to start week one, but, you know, has never really been that wide receiver two. And, and so can he deal with the pressure without a solid off season? It's just kind of, is, will he be ready? I think he's going to be a second half star. It's just, he can start right. I think for, for Gallup. All right. So I went with Russell Gage. Hmm. I think he's okay, and now he's got a quarterback that's more than okay. Hopefully, hopefully he's still got some magic in his fingers. I think he'll still have magic, and it's kind of the opposite script. He'll if if um, Chris Godwin misses any time, you know Russell Gage is going to be one of those players that you picked in the ninth round that you can probably start in your flex position week one, and and get some nasty magic before it kind of settles down with Godwin coming back. Oh. Please, Deshaun Watson, make it to me, please, in the 10th round. No! Damn it. Bastard. Well, that, that's a shame that <laughs> I didn't get Deshaun Watson. But it is right, your I'm on the clock. Yep. Seeing any magic potential here? Yeah, I'll take uh, Melvin Gordon. Also feeling a flyer running back as well. That's a good one. Well, now it's almost full on punt the QB position. It's going to be one of those things like who's got a good first round matchup. Does Kirk Cousins have good early matchups? Does um, potentially Tua or Jamius, one of those guys with with pretty big upside. Um, 
that has an easy matchup really is what I'm going to play. So I'm going to pick last. And, and you went for flyer running back. I don't really need to ensure Jonathan Taylor or Patterson. So, man, it's pretty ugly there, isn't it? I guess Jamal Williams has something left there. That's just kind of a, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. It, it, it hit me with the old auto pick. That's okay. That's all right. We got our boy Kirk Cousins there. I didn't really know where to go there. Those running backs were really dry. Maybe should have gone Daryl Henderson Jr. to see if he could compete with Cam Akers. Just didn't really want to go with the full wide receiver flyers again. I mean, I've got plenty of them. Alan Lazard, Kenny G. I'm sure they're going to be decent, but... Look, Tim yeah. Patrick there. Yeah, Tim Patrick, fine pick again. Kind of all in this mix of wide receivers where you could get some some sweet value, but just all feels so samesies. All right, maybe uh maybe just a couple couple more picks here before it starts drafting defenses and stuff. Uh yeah. I am on the clock and we'll do Gus Edwards. No. Oh, well. Curtis Samuel. <laughs> I like that. I think I'm going to pick up a couple, um, couple running back tickets that might hit one of those potentially. Where did he go? Oh, there you go. I think Kenyon Drake still has something left in Las Vegas. I think that seems to be pretty good. And Josh Jacobs always kind of hobbled around a little bit. I kind of like Kenyon Drake. And then I also kind of like Khalil Herbert. He's shown some – that team's probably going to be terrible. But he's shown some real burst. And David Montgomery is probably going to be the bell cow, but the wheels could fall off. Who knows? I'm going to try a little Khalil Herbert. And uh, we'll give you a, a last pick if you'd like. Last pick. It's not going to be Randall Cobb. Okay. <laughs> um, how about? Hmm. Hmm. Who's that last pick? Nelson Aguilar. My boy. My poor sweet boy. <laughs> Albert O. Go. <laughs> For fun. Absolutely. For fun. Love that Albert O pick. All right, man. Well, let's uh whoops. I was hoping to read my team, but I went ahead and clicked out of it. Wasn't a fantastic one. Really should have, I think, gone Chubb instead of AJ Brown, but um, or Chubb in front of uh, Kelsey. I'm not sure, but would have liked another running back, but um, let's uh, let's shift gears if you're good. That that was kind of that warmed me up a little bit. That got the pipes moving a little bit, and let's try to talk Martin Scorsese's Quinn Duin. Um, again, movie in 1997. 
about the Dalai Lama's um, really, I guess, kind of youth, mostly about his youth and, and, and honestly, a lot of world building about who the Dalai Lama even is, what they believe in, what they kind of are, what's their role in that culture. And then, of course, the, the kind of Chinese occupation and takeover of Tibet and the forced, basically the forced removal of the Dalai Lama to India. So kind of a historical foreign piece, which kind of comes out of left field for Martin Scorsese, who has not ventured into that realm. I, I guess Last Temptation of Christ, you, you could say, is kind of a foreign historical film, being a med, um, Mideast kind of thing. But, but that was, I mean, obviously totally different spin on things. This is a more modern contemporary take. Uh, I guess quite a bit to talk about, but start us off, JP. What were your initial thoughts on it, overall feelings towards it? Well, I mean, it was entertaining at first. I, I was, like you said, just learning about like what they, they're like, oh, he's reincarnated and it's the kid and he like, he remembers his belongings or whatever, because he's reincarnated. And it was actually kind of funny how it was, the kid was just like, this is mine. Like it was like he, the Dalai Lama was like really bratty at the beginning. Bit of a kid for sure. Yeah, it was funny. They were just having to be like, "Look, you, you, you're supposed to be like really humble, so you gotta, you gotta be like, you gotta chill out. You gotta be stop being such a dick." And that was funny. I I agree with you. The the beginnings, the kind of what even is really the Dalai Lama? I mean, obviously you and I grew up in, in, in high school, you know, it was kind of hot topic to, you know, free Tibet and that kind of anti-Chinese communism takeover. I mean, obviously still hot to this day, mostly with Taiwan and Hong Kong, Tibet, I guess has kind of gotten lost in the, the weeds a little bit with news, but, um, so, I mean, it was always kind of a hot topic, but I really never understood who the Dalai Lama was. I, I thought that it was kind of like the Pope version in, in Buddhism. And I guess that's kind of what it is. It's a kind of political slash religious leader. And, and it was interesting learning about that. Um, but at the same time, I guess just to put it out there overall, I did not like this film really at all. Um, I liked some small pieces of it, but I would definitely say so far that this is the worst movie. Maybe, maybe not even from Martin's like directing chops or anything like that. Just the actual movie itself from like a story standpoint, script, acting, all of those things that tend to make up a good movie. I really wasn't a huge fan of. I wasn't really into it. It didn't keep my attention very well. And, and I just kind of throw this, you know, it's, it's, it's right there with like Boxcar Bertha, but, but even Boxcar Bertha had like some redeeming kind of meme-ish qualities to it that I found 
a little bit endearing and obviously his second film. So you got to give a little more. This is coming right after Casino um, and, and that stretch of Goodfellas, Cape Fear, Age of Innocence, decent, I guess, and then Casino. And then to hit us with Quinduin, I don't know, just kind of seems like Scorsese did his, I guess it was a pet project. You know, I really have not done my homework here. Um, quickly trying to, to uh, look into, okay, so Scorsese was kind of brought in, like suggested as the, as the director. It wasn't like his, his lifelong pet project, like, like Last Temptation of Christ seemed to be, but yeah, just, just kind of felt underwhelming throughout and exhausting and and not to say that I don't feel for the story. Obviously, a horrific story of, you know, communist takeover and and getting to see Mao Zedong um, characterized and, and put into an actor form. I've, I've never seen any movie, I don't think, with Mao in it. So that was just interesting to see a... a <laughs> On the persona of Mao and and what he looks like in film, I've never seen that before, so that's pretty cool. But yeah, just overall, you, you know, it really got off to the wrong foot when I realized that this was not even a dub. That this was this was asking the what looks to be legitimate Tibetan lineage actors and actresses to speak English the entire time, which which they do fine, you know, of course, with strong accents almost across the board, but just like a weird take. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just so strongly for the subtitle and authentic language that that it just rubs me the wrong way to, for them to be speaking English, but just seemed like a really weird choice. If you're going to go through the motions of getting fully Tibetan stars to star in this historic film and then just have them speak English. I just, it just doesn't work for me. So that, that was something that I hated right off the bat. And then, and then, yeah, like the, the kid being a little shit or whatever, like, I, I know you want to be historically accurate, but I guess it just, is not the most endearing. Like I didn't, I didn't really give a shit about the Dalai Lama. Like even throughout his, his kind of, tenure when he grows up and matures a little bit he's still nothing of any sort of like prominent um benevolence or goodness of heart he just kind of wanders through his little temple finding cool little treasures from like western just <coughs> just by the time where i think we're supposed to fully care about the dalai lama i didn't i mean i cared for him as like a human being like anybody in the face of communism you know Chinese red takeover or whatever but nothing of any sort of specialty if anything maybe a little less so obviously because I'm so anti-religious but um anyways that that's a lot of rambling about why I didn't like the film um let me let me get your voice on the pod a little bit more um any any other particular scenes that that kind of stood out to you as that you enjoyed or, or severely disliked or anything you'd like to talk about? No, I mean, I, I just, I didn't have fun in general with right. this one. And I, I feel like Scorsese's film 
Did I lose you? I feel like I lost you. Oh, you're you coming did. back. There, I'm with you now. Yeah. They just, it's just, it's getting really not as good. Right. I feel like. Yeah. So I don't know how long we're going to follow this, this trail here. Yeah, I agree. It was it was basically what you said. It just simply was not fun. And and of course, you know, JP, you and I were not talking about literally like a fun, energetic movie. We're talking about just things that you and I as film lovers can kind of gravitate towards and be like, wow, that is either interesting or wild or it just kind of provokes excitement in some fashion. It just just was not there. I mean, even taking the chances to show that Tibetan landscape, which from all accounts is beautiful in very different ways, really no semblance of fantastic cinematography. And it just seems like a, a kind of a total missed cause. And, and this was a box office just blunder, just totally lost a bunch of money. So it's not like you and I are the only ones who were hit with the, with the boredom fatigue here. Um, you know, soundtrack was kind of fun. You know, there was some, a lot of authentic music, which I particularly enjoyed. So that kind of kept me a little bit guessing each time you've seen. Um, the, I guess the, maybe the wildest and kind of strange moments were probably the Dalai Lama's uh, relationship with that kind of, um, what would you call him? Like, oracle spirit kind of person who who basically seems to like talk in tongues a little bit and wild out in in costume and do kind of a spinning dance amongst a bunch of buddhists and kind of speak towards what everybody should do it was and he came in i think Uh, that guy was intense dude he he's tripping there's no way that he's not like on ayahuasca or some sort of like traditional tibetan uh root or some crap like that they just get that guy all hopped up on on some drugs and just let him hop around and hiss at everybody for a while and then they're like oh he spoke to god or something yeah (laughs) you know what i mean went to the spirit realm for sure and and he wild out. So I mean, that was kind of interesting. Again, I I'm so anti-religious that I just thought it was like dumb as hell. But but from a like a film perspective, it was pretty cool. To- hey, we got another strikeout. Who are you betting on to uh, to rack up the case tonight? I need I need two more on Shane Beaver. Shane Beaver. He's got five. Who? What team is he on? He's on the Guardians. Interesting. He's got five and he needs two more. You went six and a half on him. Wow. If he get no, nah, it, it's six. If he pushes, if he gets to six and pushes, that's fine too. Okay, gotcha. At well, least I get my money back on that. And then um see the, the cool thing about this app is that you can pick things in your parlay that are like plus or or they're like minus like 280 or some crap like that. And you get the same amount of multipliers as something that's like completely unlikely to happen. You know what I mean? 
dig that. I mean, I'm looking at Bieber right now. He's only on 70 pitches, so he's got another inning in him for sure. He'll pitch the sixth, so you definitely have a chance at at least one more. Oh, there goes six. There goes six. Oh, oh there you go. God, he's on fire. There he's on See, the whole thing about this guy is that supposedly he pitches really well against this particular team. Wow, because the Angels are a good team, so that's pretty strong stuff. They say he, like, only throws sliders or something. Okay, there you go. Slider boy. Well, let's hope for one more, man. I mean, he's blasting them down, so nice bet there. Hopefully it, it's not just a push. Hopefully it brings it through for you. Um I am looking at at just a little bit about a little more just um, you know Wikipedia for Quinn doing. Looks like Disney, who who released this, apologized for releasing the film because of course Disney sucks that Chinese nut real hard. And, they do. And they were trying to open up Shanghai Disneyland, and so they apologized for this film. Let's see, calling it a stupid mistake. And he's happy that nobody went to see it at the time. <laughs> so that's kind of funny. Um, I mean, I guess it was kind of a stupid mistake. I don't know. I mean, it was, it was a boring one. They could have been, they could have really hit hard. But uh, wow, Robert Ebert. Continuing to suck on the Scorsese nut, still gave three out of four stars for this film. Man, that's just that's just not it, man. It's not a three out of four, I don't think. Okay, well, anyways, no, honestly, again, not much to say. Academy Awards, it was it was actually nominated for best cinematography. That blows my mind. I thought the cinematography was super weak. Maybe my expectations were way too high, but I felt like it could have been so much better, and it was not. Um, I'm going to quickly peek at, because we have plenty of time, I'm going to quickly peek at the 97 Oscars and see and see what was happening. This is Titanic. Interesting. So we had Titanic, and which one actually won cinematography? Okay, so Titanic won Best Cinematography. That makes sense. Titanic with a huge uh, sweep here. LA Confidential also that year. Um, some solid films, some solid films for sure. Okay, well, as you said, JP, we are kind of getting towards the Scorsese uh, movies that we're quite familiar with. Um, there is one coming after this in 1999 he came out with a movie, Bringing Out the Dead, which I have never even heard of, I don't think. But it is a Nick Cage psychological drama. Have you ever heard, have you seen Bringing Out the Dead? Are you familiar? Never. I've never heard of it, no. I have not either. Um, I'm trying to see, is it one of those classic... Uh, Nick Cage low budget but no it was a 32 million dollar movie and it was the final film we released on Laserdisc fantastic shout out Ben Scar would be happy with that uh, teaser right there 
But uh, okay, so so neither of us have seen this, and it looks like it didn't do well at the box office, but but could be interesting. You know, we've had our Nick Cage, um, uh, what is it? Ten, not tender, not tender at heart. Um, what is the Nick Cage that we saw last year? Wild, wild at heart. Thank you, thank you. We do have some John Goodman, and so it could be interesting. So let's let's try it if you're into if you're up for it. Bringing out the dead. All right, let's do it. And then peeking ahead, we we really do get into the stretch of current films. We've got Gangs of New York, which I do really like Gangs of New York, but I think I've seen it probably four or five times now. I'm just not not in for a rewatch. I also do like The Aviator, but I, again, have seen it at least twice, and I just don't know if I can make it through the stretch. I think it's a three-hour film, and it's it might be a little too much for me. Um, again, me just voicing my opinion. You can chime in if, if you want to watch certain things. Departed, I feel like I've seen a million times. I do have the Blu-ray, so I'm gonna. that's another one I'm going to check to see if there's a decent commentary that that goes with it if there is i might be willing to kind of hop on and talk departed but i don't really know much more there is to say um shutter island might be worth a rewatch i did watch that in theaters i didn't think it was that good but potentially worth a rewatch We've got the the kind of animated cartoon Hugo. Is, is that an animated cartoon? I can never remember. Maybe, maybe that's a real uh, IRL movie. Can't even remember Hugo. Okay, that's IRL, not not animated. But I don't think I've ever seen Hugo, so that might be something of interest. And then Wolf of Wall Street, Silence, Irishman. And then he's got a new movie coming out. That kind of completes the list. So of those, man, I mean, I guess I, I would want to watch see Hugo just to kind of finish out the discography. But other than that, I'm really not interested in doing any rewatch. Do you have any of those of those 2000 films that you want to, to rewatch or watch for the first time if you haven't seen it yet? Not really. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that will kind of, uh, that means that we'll have quite a bit of off season again ahead of us for something else. So we'll talk off pod about how we want to move forward, whether we just want to take a time out or, or, or jump on something else to, to talk about. But um, we'll try out the Nick Cage bringing out the dead and then, and then Hugo, if you're up for it as well. Kind of unfortunately pattering, pitter pattering to an end here of what I think has been a very fun ride so far. But um, yeah, so uh, we'll tune in and, uh, and we'll talk off pod again about what we want to continue doing. But um, thanks for talking, Quinn Doing man. Thanks for doing that draft again with me and, uh, and look forward to talking again next week. It was fun. We'll, we'll see you guys next week.